Appreciate that. I've never heard that song, but boy, what a great song. What a great message. Boy, we do need prayer. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Jonah chapter number one. Jonah chapter number one. And as you're turning there, um, couple of, one thing I want to mention really quick is that I will be out of town all this week and uh, I will be in the middle I will be in the middle of the wilderness all right in the middle of nowhere uh, at uh, the wilderness Christian camp with brother Jason Perlack uh, brother brother Preston survived a week there uh, he survived all last summer there so I didn't doubt that he could survive a, a week there this week but uh, uh, he was gone down this week helping them that last week rather and I'm going down this week uh, to help them out. Brother Preston will be here at the church and, and holding, everything, holding down the fort here. And so services will be normal on Wednesday. Brother Preston will be uh, handling everything. And so, uh, but pray for me as I'll be there, all right, that I survive a week because it, it's been a while since I've been to camp, I'll be honest with you. Uh, but I'm excited about it too because I don't know. I just, I like camp. I love camp atmosphere. Uh, I love getting away from everything and, uh, and just being there. And so uh, pray for the week of camp. Last week they had a really good week. Uh, matter of fact, they, I think I read they, they had about seven people saved, uh, if I remember properly. And, uh, and so I'm looking forward to being down there this week and, um, and working at camp. Probably the last time I ever do it. I don't know that I'll ever do it again, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Well, I hope I gave you enough time to find the book of Jonah. And uh, the book of Jonah, chapter number one, and I want to preach on uh, the greatest need of America. The greatest need of America. If you step back and objectively look at our nation, you'll find that she has a great need today. Many solutions are offered in various opinions and ways, and some think her greatest need is to balance the budget. And uh, while that's certainly something that's important, and I wouldn't deny the fact that it needs uh, balanced. I don't think that's probably the greatest need. It is a need, but probably not the greatest need. And some may cry that education needs reformed, and I would not deny the fact that that is certainly a need, uh, but I would probably not say that that is the single greatest need. It's probably pretty important, and I think it's something that needs addressed and dealt with, and uh, our education system is kind of a mess. I've talked about this before. I mean, uh, it seems like ever since we've taught children that they come from animals, that they started acting like animals. And then everyone wonders why. They're like, well, why are our kids acting so bad? And why do we have a generation that's so messed up? Well, it's what you taught them. I mean, you taught them that they're animals. They came from animals. They didn't, you didn't teach them that God created them and that there is a God and there is an authority over them. And so uh, there's no wonder that we have a problem in our country. But I don't think that that is the greatest need. Some might cry that we need election reform. And I would probably agree. We probably do. But I would probably say that uh, that's not necessarily the greatest need. And you could go on and on and on about the various needs and the various problems in our country. Some would say that uh, we need new politicians, and I probably wouldn't disagree with that either. Uh, there's probably not many problems uh, that I would disagree with about our country because we, we do have problems in our country. And if you read the news or if you watch what's going on, you're probably aware that there are problems in America. But what is the greatest need? And we're going to look at that this morning. Jonah chapter number one. 
And verse number one, we did a Sunday school class, the adult Sunday school did uh, here for several weeks on the book of Jonah, but I'm not going to rehash that, all right, just so you know. Jonah chapter number one, verse number one, the Bible says, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for the privilege of being in your house on Sunday morning. God, we thank you for the freedom that we enjoy to have the religious liberty to, to pray publicly, to preach publicly, to sing publicly, and to meet unashamedly, Father, in your house. And God, we certainly thank you for the religious freedom that we still enjoy in this country. God, we do thank you for our country. We thank you for the freedom that we have. We thank you for the blessings that you've blessed our country with. We thank you for the, uh, the many things, Father, that you've done in our country. And God, there's no doubt that, uh, uh, that, that the United States has been a, a beacon and a light to the world for many years. As far as sending missionaries and sending preachers and sending uh, your word around the world. And God, we thank you for the privilege of having the ability to do that. God, we know as well that our country has great needs. God, I pray that you'd use me this morning. God, I pray that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch hearts as only you can. And Father, that we would be ever so aware of the greatest need of America. And Father, we'll thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at our text this morning and we see uh, the book of Jonah, the Bible says uh, that, that, as I read before, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh. And, uh, and we see that place that, that Jonah was called to. As a matter of fact, I, as you look at that, I, I think there's something that kind of stands out about that place. And, and one is there in, in verse number two, it says that great city. And it just uses a, a descriptive word that says that Nineveh was really a great city. Now it doesn't say if it's great as in large, great as in bad, great as in good. It just says great. And as I think about America, I do think that, hey, America has got a lot of great things about it. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the freedom that we have, as Brother uh, Coons was talking about. Listen, what a what a bless! If you've never been outside of America, man, you just you need to take my word for it. Or somebody who's traveled outside of America, we are greatly blessed in this country. We just are, and and uh, man, think about the fact. Praise the Lord that you were born in America. Man, I, I mean, or maybe you didn't, weren't born here, but you had the privilege of coming here and being in this country. What a blessing, and we ought to thank God for that and for our great heritage as, a, as an American uh, and, and as our country. And, and look, as Fourth uh, of July weekend, hey, look back to the founding fathers. Look back to what, uh, what they really were seeking. I mean, we left England, and, and the reason we left is we were seeking religious freedom. That's why we left in the first place. 
Hey, and we still have that today. And I know our country is not everything that she ought to be. But I'm just telling you, uh, we are a great country and we ought to thank God for our country. And as we look at this, uh, we look at the place, there are some parallels that go with Nineveh and that go with America. Nineveh was located in Assyria. Uh, it is where King Sennacherib went back and lived after God smote him outside of Israel. In other words, King Sennacherib had gone and he was attacking Israel. And as he was attacked, well, he wanted to attack. I'll say it that way. It's that funny portion of Scripture that I always love that uh, the armies of the Assyrians were camped outside of Israel and they were going to attack. And the Bible says it this way, and when they arose, they were all dead corpses. I always thought that was kind of funny. How do you arise if you're a dead corpse? But they, God had smote them in the middle of the night, and, and they had died, the Assyrians, the, the soldiers had died in the encampments, and, and, uh, and King Sennacherib, he had lived. And so when he, he got up and, and he saw his soldiers were dead for whatever reason, he didn't say, he didn't know why. Uh, man, he, the Bible says he went back to Nineveh, and he was the king of Assyria. So he went back and, and he lived there in, in Nineveh. You can read about that in Isaiah chapter 57. talks a little bit about that. And, and as you look at Nineveh, not only was Jonah sent, but I want you to notice too that uh, we, we, we'll probably go there. Go forward with me. Uh, after Jonah is the book of Micah. After Micah is the book of Nahum. So go to Nahum and, and save your spot there. Between Jonah and Nahum, we're going to bounce back and forth and and Nahum was a second prophet that was sent to, uh, to Nineveh. So there was two prophets that were sent to Nineveh. Jonah, whom we spent a lot of time studying uh, in the adult Sunday school class and who we know about. But then also Nahum. And, and let's look with me in book of Nahum, chapter number 1. And we find that Nineveh was guilty of some sins in the book of Nahum. Look with me there in verse number, chapter number 1 and verse number 10. The Bible says... For while they be folded together as thorns, and while they are drunken as drunkards, they shall be devoured as stubble fully dry. One of the things that they were guilty of there in Nineveh uh, was the sin of drunkenness. And God calls them out and says, hey, you are guilty of drunkenness. And that's one of the things. And he's saying, hey, while you're drunk with your drunkenness, uh, because they were apparently were always drunk, he's saying, hey, we're going to devour, we're going to destroy uh, the city of Nineveh. And there was a judgment that was proclaimed on that country. And look with me, go with me to, Nah uh, to Proverbs, save your spot there in Nahum and, and Jonah. You're saying, Pastor, I only got a couple fingers here left to use. Might need to use a piece of paper. Go with me to Proverbs 23. And I just want us to understand that, uh, that Nineveh was guilty of drunkenness. And look at what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter number 23. Proverbs chapter number 23. And I know I preached on this during our when we went through the book of Proverbs, and it's a wonderful passage, Proverbs chapter number 23 and verse number 29. This is so important for 2022 in, uh, I'll say it this way, uh, quote-unquote, Christian America. We still need to understand that God is against drunkenness. Look at what it says in Proverbs 23 and verse number 29. Who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath contentions, who hath babbling, who hath wounds without cause, who hath redness 
of eyes. So he's asking a series of questions. He's saying, hey, who has all of these things? Who has problems that would be woes? Who has the sorrow? Who has contentions, babblings, uh, and wounds without cause and redness of eyes? Verse number 30, he gives the answer, they that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine, Look not thou upon it the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent, and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. This passage, the entire passage that I read, is dealing with drunkenness. And listen, we need to understand that drunkenness is still a sin. Alcohol is still a sin. And while I'm rejoicing that the fact that Roe versus Wade is overturned, let me just mark it down that I would be ever so happy if our country completely banned and outlawed alcohol. Why? Because God's against it. And I know there are Christians today that are saying, well, it's okay to socially drink. Listen, God did not make any exclusion for social drinking in the Bible. He said, it biteth like a serpent. It stingeth like an adder. Hey, you want to play with a snake? You're going to get bit. You want to play with fire? You're going to get burnt. And I'm just telling you that alcohol is still wrong and still sin in 2022 as it has been since God wrote it down in the book of Proverbs and warned man that you better beware of alcohol. And America needs to understand that. Hey, Nineveh was guilty of drunkenness. They had fallen into a drunken society and God was going to judge them because of that. And look at what the Bible says here in verse number, uh, th this is a wonderful passage. Look at verse number 34. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea. Let me ask you a question. Who lies down in the middle of the sea? Nobody. Unless, they don't, unless they're out of their mind. They don't know what they're doing. You know what you happens when you lay down in the midst of the sea? You drowned. Look at what it says there in verse number 34, the second part. And in the midst of the sea, and as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. You know what a mast is? On a ship, it goes all the way up and towards the top. Who's going to lie on the top of a mast? Listen, somebody who doesn't know what they're doing uh, because they're going to fall, uh, fall off of that thing and die. And he goes on and on and look at all the effects of alcohol that cause problem after problem after problem. And I'm just telling you that God is, not, uh, God is against drinking. He says there in verse number uh, 32, you can underline that verse, at the last it biteth like a serpent and it stingeth like an adder. I'm just telling you that Bible gives us a very clear warning against alcohol. And some people say, well, you can socially drink and this and that. Let me ask you a question. At what point does it become a drunkenness? And it's different from every person. You, you, you can't really define that. You know what the best thing to do? As the Bible says, hey, I, I tell people this. I Listen to the whole quote. 
I recommend drinking, kind of like I recommend playing with poisonous snakes. Don't do it. It's dangerous. It will destroy you. It will hurt you. And so they were guilty in Nineveh of drunkenness. Go back with me to, uh, uh, to Nahum. Not only were they guilty of drunkenness, look at what it says in verse number 11. The Bible says in verse number 11, There is one come out of thee that imagineth evil against the Lord. Look at what he says, a wicked counselor. Somebody who is promoting wicked counsel. They were guilty of drunkenness in verse number 10. They were guilty of promoting wicked counsel in verse number 11. Listen, if there's something that is being promoted in America today, I can tell you what, it is wickedness. Man, uh, the Bible tells us, uh, woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. And boy, that's where our society is promoting that. They were guilty in Nineveh of promoting wicked counsel. Boy, there's a boatload of wicked counsel in America today. It pervades our entertainment. It pervades our society. It is everywhere, and it's constantly bombarding us. And I'm just telling you that Nineveh was guilty of wicked counsel. Not only that, but look with me in verse number 14. The Bible says there in Nahum 1.14, And the Lord hath given thee a commandment concerning thee, that no more of thy name be sown out of the house of thy gods will I cut off the graven image and molten image. I will make thy grave, for thou art vile. They were not only guilty of drunkenness, they were not only guilty of wicked counsel, they were also guilty of idolatry. Idolatry is, is actually forming an idol and bowing down and worshiping that idol. You say, well, boy, we don't have too many idols, so I, I beg to differ with you. Our idols are a little different today. We don't, we don't make them and we don't adore them and worship them in the sense of, of a religious aspect, but we kind of do in the form of, of many sports and popular uh, pop culture. Now, sports in and of itself is not sin, but I tell you what, when we start worshiping it like our nation does today, boy, we got a problem when, when Sunday has become known as, as the day of sports and the day of this and the day of that, and it's no longer as it used to be referred to as the Lord's Day. I tell you what, it's become an idol in America. And it's become uh, something that people will go to and flock to, and, and in, a, in an essence, they will worship and say, Man, uh, I want, you know, they'll pay a million dollars for a piece of paper with somebody's uh, ink on it because of the person that signed it. You don't think that's idolatry? I mean, I'm just saying. Uh, when, when people are chasing after those things and flocking to those things far more than they are to God, I'm just telling you that uh, Nineveh was guilty of drunkenness. They were guilty of wicked counsel. They were guilty of idolatry. Look in, in Nahum chapter 3, and we're not going to go through the whole book for sake of time, but look in chapter 3 in verse number 1 of Nahum. It says, Woe to the bloody city, it is full of lies and robbery. The prey departeth not. Not only was it guilty of drunkenness and wicked counsel and idolatry, it was guilty of violent killings. Listen, America is guilty of a lot of violence. 
And one of them is we could go back to, and that's Roe versus Wade and, and abortion and killing babies that has been done for, uh, well, for these since 73 or 74 when that thing was instituted and, and how many violent killings have taken place. And besides that, just the violence that takes place in our streets of people killing other people every single day. Why? Because life has no value anymore. They've lost sense of who God is. They've lost sense of a purpose of life. And I'm just telling you that Nineveh was guilty of drunkenness. Nineveh was guilty of wicked counsel. Nineveh was wicked of or guilty of idolatry and guilty of violent killings. We're just talking about the place where Jonah was called to. The, God said, hey, I want you to go to Nineveh. And we know now what Nineveh was. It was a wicked place. We see the place that, 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 jo or that Jonah was called to. But I want you to see this, and that's the preacher. Look with me in verse, back in Jonah, chapter number 1. Verse number 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah. Hey, listen, I know a lot about Jonah. We just spent a lot of time studying him, and I know he did not obey God all the time, but I tell you this, Jonah was called of God. Hey, listen, we need God-called men in America. You know what the greatest, one of the greatest needs in America is? We need God-called men to preach the Word of God. Hey, Jonah was called of God. God got a hold of Jonah and said, Hey, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach the Word that I'm going to give you. Hey, we need people that are going to surrender. I was thinking in the Bible as I was looking back through it, and, uh, and listen, there was man after man after man that God touched the heart of those men and called them into His service. You go all the way back, and one of the first people that I thought of uh, was, was Noah, of course, and the Bible calls him a preacher of righteousness. Listen, he lived in a wicked day. We might live in a wicked day, but it does not mean that God is not calling men to serve him in the service of preaching. And listen, uh, he called Noah. The Bible says and in Genesis 6.13, And God said unto Noah, He said, I want you to build an ark. And he built that ark. What about Moses? When Moses was on the backside of the desert, Moses had grown up in Egypt. Moses had grown up uh, in, a, in, a, in a wicked home in all reality, but yet he got away from all of that and he was out in the desert and he was there uh, watering some flock. And the Bible says in Exodus 3, 4, And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And God called Moses, hey, to lead the nation of Israel out of bondage. And I'm just telling you that God called Noah, God called Moses. What about Samuel? You remember that he was a young lad, that he was in the temple there, and he was serving the Lord, and his mother, a godly mother, had dedicated Samuel to serve the Lord, and she had taken him to the temple and left him there. And while he was sleeping, God came to him and said, Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel, thinking it was Eli, ran to Eli and said, I'm here, what do you need? And Eli said, uh, hey, listen, go back to bed. I didn't call 
call you. And, and again, God said, Samuel, Samuel. And, and, and Samuel got up and he runs to Eli and he says, I'm here. I know you called me. What do you need? And Eli, not recognizing and realizing it was God, said, hey, go back to bed. And, uh, and later he says, hey, you know what? It was God that was calling you. The next time it happens, you say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And old Samuel God comes to him again and says, Samuel, Samuel. And as a young man, Samuel surrendered his life and said, I'm here, God. I'll do what you want me to do. Samuel surrendered to what God wanted him to do. He was called of God. How about Isaiah? The Bible says in Isaiah 6, 8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord God saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, Lord. Send me. And Isaiah surrendered. He had a calling from God. You can go on and on. What about the disciples? When Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee and He came across Simon and He came across uh, Andrew, His brother, and He said to them, Follow Me. And they left their nets and followed Him. What about, uh, what about Paul when he was on that Damascus road and he was going about to persecute Christians? And what happened? Uh, God appeared to him in that road and Jesus said unto, unto Saul, 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 why persecutest thou me? And I'm just telling you, God has called men since the beginning of time and He's called men throughout history and He's called men in Jonah's day. He called men in the disciples' day and He's still calling people today and to serve the Lord and He's calling out, hey, uh, we need some God-called men that will stand up and proclaim the Word of God. God's calling. God called Jonah. Listen, Jonah surrendered. Now, Jonah's not the greatest example of all this because Jonah ran from God. And Jonah took off and he went the opposite direction. But I tell you what, God knows how to get a hold of you. God knows how to rattle your cage. God knows where to find you. You can't run and get away from God. And so uh, we find that Jonah was not very willing and he was not very pliable, but God had called him to a task. And, and listen, we have got to be willing. And we find that later in Jonah chapter 3, that finally Jonah was pliable after God put him through a little bit of workout and said, hey, listen, buddy, you're going. And, uh, and Jonah finally did. And then I want you to notice that Jonah finally did end up going to Nineveh. Hey, we need people that are willing uh, to, to, to go. There's the preacher that is called of God. There's the place. It's Nineveh. It was a wicked place. It was guilty of drunkenness. It was guilty of, uh, of, of perversity and, and wicked counsel. It was guilty of violence. It was guilty of idolatry. It was guilty of so many things. And, and yet God sent a preacher there. God called Jonah. But I want you to notice this. Not only is there a place and not only is there a preacher, but I want you to notice the proclamation. Look what he says there in verse number 2. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. Look at what he says. And cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. 
Listen, one of the greatest needs that I believe we have in America is that we need men to stand up and to proclaim the truth of the wickedness that God sees in our country and says, hey, their wickedness has come up before me. We need Christians that are willing to stand for the truth of the Word of God and say, hey, I'm not going to fall in line with the wickedness of this world and I'm not going to fold and just go along with the flow of what this world calls good. I'm going to stand strong for what God has said is is right and I'm going to live in the right. We need people that will stand and proclaim the message of the Scripture. I want you to notice in verse number 2, it's the supremacy of Scripture because he says there, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Look in chapter 3 and verse number 2. He says, Arise, go to Nineveh, Go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it. Look at what he says. The preaching that I bid thee. Listen, we're not to stand and proclaim what we think is right and what we think is wrong, but rather what the Scripture says is right and what the Scripture says is wrong. Listen, what I think is right and what I think is wrong does not matter in light of eternity. It doesn't. I can give you Shane Rice's opinion all day. Listen, uh, it's not going to stand up in any court of law, much less God's court of law. But if I tell you what God says, and what God's Word says, and I proclaim unto you the message of God, hey, listen, that's going to stand in God's court. Because God knows what He put in this book. And God knows what is right and what is wrong. And this book is supreme. Uh, it is the authority that ought to be. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12, for the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What an incredible book this is. This is not like Shakespeare. This is not like uh, the how-to books that you can check out of the library. This is better than any book that you could have. Because this is the supreme, authoritative Word of God. Hey, we have it. Just for reference, the King James Bible. We have it. And God has told us what is wrong and what is right. And He told, he told Jonah when he got around to it in chapter 3, He said, listen, you don't go there and give them your opinion. You go there and you preach the preaching that I bid thee. You only say what the Word of God says. Hey, listen, the Word of God dictates what is right and what is wrong. We don't need to stand on, on our opinions. We need to stand on the Word of God. We find the supremacy of Scripture. Jonah was told to go tell the Word of God. I love the passage in Samuel, 1 Samuel. Uh, you don't have to turn there for sake of time. But, uh, but when God had called Samuel, and Samuel was a young child, and he was actually in a very difficult position because Eli was not a very good priest, and he was not a, a very godly man. And, and so God told, uh, God told Samuel, He said, listen, I'm going to judge Israel because Eli's sons are wicked and the things that they're doing are wicked. And he told Samuel that. And Samuel got up the next morning and you know what? Young Samuel was scared to death 
Man, he had to go, uh, go serve under Eli, and he knew God's judgment was going to come against Eli. He knew God's judgment was going to come against Israel. He knew God's judgment was going to come against the family of Eli. And so, here he is going and serving. And he knew, Eli knew that God had called him in the night. And what does Eli do? What did God tell you last night, Samuel? You talk about a tough place for Samuel. Here he is, young Samuel, serving in the temple, has to tell Elder Eli, this priest that's older than him, that's been serving the Lord for a long time, that his family is wicked. And God's judgment. And you know what? The Bible says it this way. Samuel told him every wit and hid nothing. Well, we need people that are going to stand up and proclaim every wit of the Word of God and not hold back nothing, but give the Word of God as it is. Listen, the supremacy of Scriptures can be clearly seen in Jonah's proclamation. But I want you to notice not just the supremacy of Scripture, but look with me in chapter 1, back in verse number 2 in our text. The Bible says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city. And what does he say? And cry against it. Listen, in 2022 in America, you know what it needs? It needs men of God that will stand against sin and will cry against it. Nineveh was called out for their sin because of their drunkenness, because of their wicked counsel, because of their ungodliness, because of their idolatry, and because of their, uh, their violence that had taken place. Listen, America has got to confront the fact that we are living in a wicked day and drunkenness is rampant in our country and perversity is rampant in our country. And listen, the Bible talks about fornication. You know what fornication is? It's any kind of intimate relation before marriage. Hey, two people living together is still sin in 2022. Going out drinking is still sin in 2022. Hey, living against the Word of God and the perversity that's displayed on TV and all the wickedness that goes with it, it's still sin in 2022. And we need preachers that will stand up and cry against it as God had sent Jonah. Go to Nineveh and cry against the wickedness that is taking place. Hey, listen, it's still sin in 2022. We need to take note of God's Word and cry against the things that God has declared as sin. And listen, we need to understand, we need to stand for what is right. And listen... People need to know. I was the other day, I was somewhere, and after I left, I, I kicked myself because I didn't say something. And, and I was, my daughter's getting married, and, and, and something was said, and, and I don't remember, it was, uh, they were just asking. They, they did, I didn't know them, they didn't really know me, and, and they said something about, um, are, are, well, are your son and daughter, or is your daughter and son-in-law, um, it wasn't son-in-law, her fiancé, Together, I said, no. But I thought, I should have said, God says that's sin. So no, they're not together. They're not married. And people need to know that because our society just thinks, well, it's okay. No, it's not okay. Our society thinks going out and doing drugs is just okay. No, it's not okay. 
Our society thinks going out and drinking and partying, well, that's okay. No, it's not okay. It's still sin, and the Bible's very clear about that. Hey, America needs somebody that's going to cry out against their sin and call out their sin and say, hey, God has declared that that is sin. They need to know that. I, I watched, a, this is one of the few movies I would ever recommend. And it's called Time Changers. It's a Christian movie. Wonderful movie. Look it up and find it. Wonderful Christian movie. This man, it was based in the 1600s, and, and they discover time travel. It's fictional, of course. He travels ahead to time and in the, I don't know, 80s or 90s. And this man who was a, a godly man, he, 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 he fast forwarded in time and he sees TV and he's disgusted with it. And he goes to the stores and he's disgusted with it. And everywhere he goes, he's disgusted with it because there's so much sin everywhere that he goes. And, and, and he goes back in time. And what they were, what they were grappling with back in the, that day and age that he was living was, well, why is it wrong? And, and he said, listen, you cannot separate the fact that it's wrong because God says it's wrong with just right and wrong. Morals must have an absolute and the absolute must be the Scripture and God that defines what is right and what is wrong. And that's got to be key to our life. Hey, listen, that's true in 2022. We can't just say, well, this is right and that's wrong because that's what I think or, or that sounds good. No, listen, God's law and God's word determines what is right and what is wrong. And we need people that are going to cry against sin and stand up for what is right. But I want you to notice this as well. Not just that we stand against these things. Some people love to stand against things. Some people just love to fight. They just want to stand up for a fight. Listen, it's not just a fight. We need to stand for salvation. Hey, listen, the fact is that it is wrong, but the fact of the matter is that God still wants to save these people. Hey, they may be living in sin, but God wants to fix their life. He wants to change what is wrong? And listen, we, can, we ought to stand, we ought to con condemn things that are wrong, but we ought to on the same token turn around and say, but let me tell you something, God loves you and He wants to change your life. You don't have to continue in that drunken state. You don't have to continue in that perverse uh, path that you're trudging. You can change, your life can be changed because God can change your life. Hey, that was the message of Jonah. You notice God, Jonah went to Nineveh and he cried against the city and he spoke out and saying, hey, the judgment of God is coming to this place. But what happened? All of Nineveh repented and they proclaimed a fast and they sought God. And you know what happened? The greatest evangelistic effort and outreach that ever took place recorded right here in Scripture happened in Nineveh. Because a man of God proclaimed the message of God and stood against sin. And those people were saved. They turned to God. We're not just standing against people to be against people. We're not standing against things just to be against things. We're standing against things because we want something that's so much better for their life. Hey, that God can change 
their life. And God can make their life so much better and establish a country in a much better position than what we are. That verse, I've said it many times, I'll say it again. Righteousness exalteth a nation. What was that? Righteousness exalteth a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. Hey, we've got to have righteousness. You know what the greatest need in America is? It's not political reform. It's not political. It's spiritual. That Christians would stand up for what is right. And we'd say, listen, not, not to be rude and not to be crude, but just to say, hey, this is what's right because this is what God has said. And He can change your life. He can make your life different if you'll turn to Him. So we come to God, we want to come to God on our terms. Society wants to come to God on their terms. Well, God, I mean, you'll accept me as I am and you'll, you'll, it'll be okay if I take a drink or if I do this or I do that. Listen, God says, no, that's still sin. I still love you. I still want your life to be better. But you can't compromise the Word of God to do what you want to do. We've got to live right and do right according to the Word of God. We've got to stand for what is right. Proclaim what the truth of the Word of God is. doesn't mean we don't love people. We love people. God loved people. We all love people. But we've got to stand for truth. And say, listen, we love you. We want your life to be changed. But there are some things that we just don't do as Christians. There's some things that we don't live. And God wants to change your life and he'll help you change your life. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. America's greatest need is the proclamation of the truth of the word of God. That includes salvation. That includes condemnation of sin. We need preachers that will stand. Listen, we need the influence of Christian testimonies. Christian men and women who would go to work and work an honest day's wage for an honest pay. Who would be right in their life and right in their actions and display a proper testimony in a world that is wicked, that is guilty of sin and lost and needs to be saved. We need that in America. That's America's greatest need. She sees that, she'll turn to Jesus. She'll be saved. Father, I pray that you'd help us as Christians to be the Christians that America needs. God, to stand strong against sin, not because it's our opinion not because it's offensive to us, but because it goes against your word. And you declared it as sin. And you declared it as wrong. God, I pray that you'd help us to not just be strong against sin for being offensive sake or to be rude, but God, with the idea of pointing people to salvation, 
pointing people to you. That God, you want to change their life. You want to make their life better. That God, you came to seek and to save that which was lost. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. Father, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. With heads bowed and eyes closed as the music begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Maybe you just want to pray and ask God to help you to be a strong Christian. Oh, I know we live in a, in a world full of temptation. The world pulls at us every single day. every day to try and lower our standards, lower our life, lower our thoughts of sin. We need to be strong Christians. We don't have to be rude. We need to point people to Jesus Christ. That's America's greatest need. God would call us as Christians, and He has called you. If you're saved, Hey, He has called you to be a light, to be a witness. He said, ye are the salt of the earth. If the salt hath lost his savor, it's good for nothing. Ye are the light of the world. And we need to be that light. We need to be that salt. America needs the standard of righteousness exemplified and portrayed in our life. They need to hear that it's wrong. They need to hear that God loves them. That God wants to change them as the old music is playing, as the piano is playing, the altar is open. You can pray there in your seat. Boy, our country needs prayer. Pray that we could be the light salt, the righteousness, the example, the testimony.